Last week, I started a wonderful discussion with Dr. Tracy Weiland, a world-renowned researcher and speaker on the impact of technology, to discuss her 10 disruptive predictions for 2018 from her new book, Digital Disruption. I learned what a business can do is embrace digital disruption, even plan for it. Knowing the signs of digital disruption emerging in your industry means you can get ahead of the game and work with the flow rather than against it. Every business must take a broad, holistic assessment of how new technologies, including process automation, cloud services, self-service, social media, and even blockchain will impact their internal and external operations going forward. There are more enabling technologies and companies entering the market than ever before, and enterprises need a way to quickly evaluate which ones apply to their vision rather than being distracted by every new shiny technology. After this short break, we'll discuss the last four so you get some practical advice on how to cope in this digital era. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 23 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. All right, and picking up where we left off, I'm excited to be talking with Dr. Tracy Weiland, who is a researcher and speaker on the impact of technology on society, work, and careers. She's actually authored 12 books, and her newest book is Digital Disruption, the Future of Work Skills, Leadership, Education, and Careers in a Digital World, due out in 2018. Of course, you can get it Uh, pre-ordered on Amazon and, of course, other book sites. Visit her website, www.tracywyland.com. You can find her on Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, Facebook. So you've been writing about the 10 disruptive predictions for 2018. I'm just going to run through the ones that we covered. Prediction one, disrupted society. Prediction two, there is a disrupted workforce and what's happening out there. And of course, you know, we're seeing industries disruptive and disruptive leadership and women as disruptive leaders. And of course, we just uh, finished up about disruptive diversity and why that is so important. So your prediction number seven is disrupted careers. What do I need to do differently about my career? So, um, number one, what I think you need to do today, which is different from the past, is you actually need to own your career. In the past, in these more traditional firms, the firm helped us manage our career all the way through our retirement, and they even took care of us with pensions back then. But today, the landscape is completely different. And if you think about that you're going to be working for as long as we discussed, maybe 60 years or so, you really have to own your career. So what I recommend that people do is, if you know, keep up on at least two technologies related to your job. If you're in the automotive industry, uh, you know, it's autonomous car, GPS, and sensors. If you're in manufacturing, it's 3D printing and, and robotics. If you're in the media industry, maybe it's digital marketing and social media. Whatever industry you're in, there's going to be a technology component that you should learn about. 
Number two, at, you know, at work, if you can, and I know a lot of companies are really facilitating this now, make lateral moves. Get your hands, you know, dirty and learning different parts of the company because that makes you more qualified as a skilled expert for in, either inside the firm or outside the firm. Number three is join cross-functional teams. Um, a lot of companies, that's how they operate to today. Um, and I would even encourage you to look at those technology teams. That's what I always raise my hand for because I might have been in manufacturing or marketing or in the strategy group, but I knew that I had to keep up on technology. So either I would take a class on it or I would join a cross-functional team that needed some sort of user, you know, user to help them understand. And then you start to understand how technology is integrated into your functional area. And then the fourth area I would say is do some skill-building activities. Maybe it is taking a class. Maybe it is a training session. Maybe it's joining a professional association or doing some volunteer work so that you can tap into maybe some skills that you're not using and didn't know that you had that are, you could be quite good at. So the, as part of your career, I think you just have to start to think about how do I make myself in demand and have a lot of skills and experiences. So I want to touch on something with that because, you know, we have out here the largest industrial center in the world, Trick, Tahoe Reno Industrial Center, and of course Tesla and Switch, and we have all these, you know, amazing companies that have moved out there, and we are struggling really to find people to go to work out there. But what I'm seeing is it isn't the higher end level of who they're trying to employ, it's the warehouse worker, it's the guy sitting in the cubicle, and so, is this, you know, because you're talking about disruptive careers, I guess maybe the suggestion is get your foot in the door and then work your way up. But we're seeing across the board that the level of skill is still not that high for the bulk of the workforce. Yes. And I mean, to your point, yes, we'll, we'll have that. And, you know, and every job, by the way, will have a certain amount of rote aspect to it. Um, and that's the part that could be replaced by robotics or software. Um, but people want to be able to have livelihoods and, you know, develop skills and get jobs. And it could just be location. It could be industry. It could be a number of things that I, um, I don't know about. But um, we certainly do need people to be able to work in these firms, but they also want to see the opportunity that they can get ahead. Well, and then let me ask just another question, because as I'm thinking about this, so, you know, if I am doing something and, um, you know, I have to increase my technological capability it's like, you know, where, where do I get to go to do that? Am I going back to college? Am I, I mean, am I learning it online? How do I take advantage of it? So if you're working, there's plenty of opportunities that companies can offer you. I mean, just from looking at all the firms that I've worked in and my colleagues are in, there's always an opportunity to move into a more technology-based project or department because, as you said, it's in demand. So I would say if you're working, look inside first because it's easy. You have the support system and the training systems. Number two is ask them if there's classes. You know, we've, you know I've been in a number of high-tech firms that have said, Yes, we offer classes and want you to take technology classes because that's, that's our bread and butter. You know, you have to eat your own dog food. 
So I think a lot of it is just there. And then if you can't find any of that, then, you know, Apple and Microsoft have free sessions all the time where you can go and learn technology. And yes, you can learn it online as well. I'm a big fan of YouTube tutorials because they're quick and easy and visual, and I'm much better as a visual learner. So there's many, many opportunities out there to learn. Awesome. All right. Prediction number eight, disruptive skills, which we've been talking about. Everyone is talking about skills. Are there new skills I need to think about? So what I first like to mention is that reading and writing, you're right, math and science, and I'm going to say technical literacy does not go away. These are all skills that are critically, you know, critical thinking, problem solving, communication skills. These are all very important skills. But now I'm looking at, now we're in a digital world. What's different today, and how do I have to use some of these skills differently? Well, the one that everyone is very aware of is just data. There's data coming out of all of these billions of devices, right? And companies are grappling with, you know, survey data, unstructured data coming from a number of sources. Well, how do I make sense of that data? That's a new skill. In fact, there's, you know, people have become data scientists, and that's all they do is say, how do I look at the data and use it to find trends and patterns or increase sales? So that's one. Another one is cognitive data management. Think about it. You're probably getting inputs from a lot of sources. It's not just face-to-face. You're getting phone calls. You're getting text messages, instant messages, social media messages. You know, you name it. You know, you're getting, you're getting inputs from a lot of places. Well, now you have to figure out how do I filter that? How do I sort it? How do I decide, you know, what emails are important or do I prioritize the text? over a phone call, and, and then you have to figure that out. So that's, you know, another skill in, in a world where you just have so much input. A, a third one is multimedia literacy. If you think about it, 18 to 34-year-olds would rather watch a YouTube tutorial than to read a book. So now as an employer or an educator, how do I develop content and materials that's engaging to the, you know, new set of really individuals who actually respond more to visual content than they do to flat content, understanding that past generations probably prefer the flat format. But today we have to think about engaging people in a different way. And a fourth one I mentioned, and there's many more that I list in the book, is novel and adaptive thinking. And I challenge people to look at, you know, can you borrow a trend or a technology to resolve a a problem that you're already solving really well, but to do it even better. And a simple one is like the Ubers and the Lyfts. They took a mobile device and an app, and they connected supply and demand. People who have cars who want to make money or extra money by giving rides to people who don't have a ride and need a ride because there's not enough taxis. Well, they just solved the transportation problem using a modern-day technology called a smart device and an app. And it's really just rethinking through solving problems in a different way. So these are some of the newer skills that I think we need to think about in a more digital world. I want to ask your opinion on something because I work, um, one of the boards I serve on is the Volunteer Services Advisory Board through the school district. And, of course, there's a lot of retired teachers. And one of them brought up a very interesting Uh, statistic or a book that she had read. It's called 30 Million Words. 
and you know they've discovered that a young child zero to three basically needs to hear 30 million words in order to really you know connect all the cognitive and so on and of course reading a book or having a book read to you helps that they're not finding that if if you hand your child a digital version that it's working the same way so in your studies and data, I mean, what are we doing out there if we're, I see children in the grocery cart that have a little video and they're, you know, one or two years old versus actually reading or getting read too? I haven't done a study on young children education, so I can just give you anecdotal of how parents have been dealing with this or trying to manage it. They look at it a lot of like was us growing up like television. You know, we had our classes or we might be reading with our parents or writing and learning language skills and communication skills, but then our entertainment was the TV. And then the parents would monitor the TV and also direct us to more educational shows. And so parents expressed to me that they're doing really the same thing. They're not eliminating any of the reading and the writing exercises, but the computer and the engagement with the videos has become the new form of TV. And they have to give as much guidance and structure around how, how to use the computer and the different content at different ages in a different way, plus the factor of security as well. So I don't think, you know, again, to the point is reading, writing, math, communication skills do not go away. What is happening today is we have this new language. It's called technology. It's like, a, you know, like a foreign language that we have to in sort of learn while we're doing all the basics at the same time. Absolutely. We have to go to break. We come back. I'm going to finish out our 2018 Disruptive Predictions with Dr. Tracy Weiland. We'll be right back. Sage International Incorporated fosters the entrepreneurial spirit by first educating our clients. In fact, we wrote the best-selling book, Incorporate and Get Rich, as recommended by Robert Kiyosaki in his bestseller, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. For over two decades, we have taught thousands of business owners, real estate investors, professionals, and entrepreneurs how to properly structure their business and personal assets to avoid the three flaming arrows of challenge, income taxes, liability exposure, probate, and death taxes. Call Sage International Incorporated at 775-786-5515 to set up a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry Hill if you want to experience peace of mind today. That's 775-786-5515. Call Sage International. Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to The Sherry Hill Show. We're going to finish up Dr. Tracy Weiland's 2018 Disruptive Predictions. This is based on her newest book, Digital Disruption, The Future of Work Skills, Leadership, Education, and Careers in a Digital World. And, of course, we are on prediction number nine, Disrupted Education. So does education as we know it need to change? Um, absolutely. You know, I am myself an educator in higher education, and, you know, our job has always been as teachers um, and faculty to develop young people who can think and contribute to the world. And so that doesn't really change at all. What has changed is the world has changed. So I need as an educator to keep up with those changes and deliver students who can actually participate in the new world. And so that means we have to think differently as, as educators. And some of the recommendations that I make is that you need to partner with industry because they, they have the jobs. 
They're the ones who can give you guidance on where the technology is going. And so you are seeing many more partnerships between education institutions and also industry. And it might be through apprenticeships. It might be through internships. It might be through job shadowing. It might be through lecture series or different speakers at your school. So I think that's really important. The second is, is I mean, some industries are even really taking charge, like, you know, Cisco with its Cyber Academy and its Network Academy and Oracle having, for example, a design design technology public school right on its campus being built today. And so what we need to think about is, as a teacher, you know, where is the future? Even if I don't understand it, how do I connect my students to it? And number two is, are there new skills that we have to think about in the curriculum? So maybe it's systems thinking, maybe it's design thinking, maybe it's coding. You know, all of this is going to help our students to be able to participate in the world, which is really our role. Well, let me ask you, because, again, I come back to, you know, personal experience here in our school district. And, you know, to turn a ship around here, it it feels like it's, you know, 10 years out. The demand is now. And so across the country or across the world, because you travel and speak, um, I mean, who's doing it well and who's not? How do we get the education system to ramp up at a quicker pace? It, it varies. You know, I see some schools moving very rapidly, and I think it's the ones who are partnering. I was just in um, Texas, and I saw a tremendous amount of partnerships between the companies and the school systems there. Um, I was in Arizona and saw, again, the same thing, that the belief of internships, apprenticeships, and uh, more tailored curriculum to help the students understand the jobs in their local area because they're dealing with shortages there. So how do I make sure that the student is prepared to work in the industries in the local area because the likelihood of them moving you know, somewhere else is less, but wanting to work locally. Um, you know, and I think, you know, there's a lot of schools that are just resisting, you know, and, and the choice will be made, I think, by the parents, by the students. Do I want to go to a, a college or university or a high school that, you know, I may not have a job afterwards, or do I want to go somewhere where I know I'm going to have something? Also, I see a lot of higher education institutions developing entrepreneurial tracks because they realize the future of the U.S. is small business. We need more people developing small businesses. In the past, it was all focused on the large corporation. The expectation is everyone would work for a firm. Well, today, that's not so. And so we have to teach our students on how to get financing. How do you do a business plan? You know, how do you create a startup? Um, and, you know, how can we help them along? So there's, you know, it, I see progress in some areas, and then I see lagging in other areas. Well, yeah, and certainly the STEM or STEAM, right, the arts that need to be included in there too. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're kind of at a tipping point, I think, because people are either going to ramp up quicker or, you know, they're uh, that old way, and then people will move to different locales to educate their children better. <laughs> Yeah, and it is all about the zip code, isn't it? And you can tell that, you know, there are certain schools that are so progressive and there's ones that are just left behind. Prediction number 10, you say disrupt yourself. Yes, I wrote a blog a couple of years ago, Is It Time for a Career Selfie? And the reason I wrote that blog is because Google actually published a statistic that individuals were taking 93 million selfies per day on their Android phone. That didn't even include the number that we take on our iPhones, which was mind-boggling to me that we had so much focus on ourselves and had that much time to take that many pictures. 
So I went out and said, I wonder how much time the individual spends on personal career planning. And the only statistic I could find was an hour and a half a year by college students who were still looking for work. Right. So if you so when then I said, well, what are adults doing with their time? Well, we do everything but focus on our careers. We plan weddings and buy cars and take trips and watch sports and go out to eat. But goodness, we don't spend all this time on our own personal career planning. Well, if you think about it, when we started talking, you're living much longer. So if you're working much longer, which is probably a half your life and a third of your day, it's probably a good time to take a career selfie, which is where, just take a snapshot in time of where your career is today, focus in on a goal, and start to make some plans. And disrupt yourself, you know, and every year, I do it four times a year every quarter, but if it's just once a year, even in the new year, maybe it's your New Year's wish, that you sit down and say, what do I want, where I want to be one year from today? And how am I going to set some plans in place and some goals so that I get there? So I definitely say disrupt yourself and take a career selfie. Well, let's jump on to uh, your book because your new book, uh, Digital Disruption, The Future of Work Skills, Leadership, Education, and Careers in a Digital World. And so what is it, you know, what's different about this book than perhaps others than in the market that are talking about all this digital disruption? Right. So the goal of this book is really to provide some insights and, more importantly, practical advice on, you know, how to cope in this digital era. And so what I did is done this through examples from global firms, from individuals, from education systems who are, who are head-on addressing the change. And I try to give practical tips and pointers. The other different thing about this book is that I set it up so that each chapter can be individual. So you don't have to read it like a novel, you know, chapter one requires, you know, chapter two requires chapter one, but rather you could pick out where you are. Maybe you just want to read about skills today, or maybe you want to read the career chapter today, or maybe you want to read about leadership. So you can sort of pick and, and, you know, pick and choose what chapter. And I've learned from educators that they like that format for classes because they may be teaching the leadership class, so they want the leadership chapter and the women's chapter, and it's more affordable for their students. So it's set up not only for the individual, but also for the educator so that you can pick and choose. So when I look at the book, I say there's, there's a number of people who will benefit from it. Number one is organization leaders. And as we mentioned, it could be everyone from the small startup to the large organization, people who are trying to lead and manage talent in a disrupted world. And hand-in-hand with that is usually the HR team. I have a lot of HR executives who come to me who are interested in learning how do I manage talent in the 21st century, particularly in this very disruptive world. The third are educators. How do I teach? What do I need to think about and do differently in this landscape so that I can maximize my students' potential? And then number four is the individuals like, like myself, you know, who, who every day I'm trying to cope with the profound changes. And, you know, how do I learn from this and what are some best practices that I can do? So I think there's the four groups that could benefit from this book. Part of being a good leader is being a visionary. And so you have to be kind of tapped into, you know, what do you see going on in your industry 
it used to be, you know, five, ten years out. Now it's like one year out, right? I mean, what's... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and not only do you have to look at your own industry, but you have to look at outside industry. So if we just go back to autonomous cars, everyone thinks of GM, Ford, you know, maybe even Tesla, but they're not thinking about Uber and they're not thinking about Intel coming out with competitive cars. And so you have to keep your eye on not only your own industry, but adjacent industries as well, or even industries that you would never believe might get into your industry. Right. And so how do you plan for that? Think about the future and what is it you could be doing or learning or improving on within yourself and your company and your employees today to make sure that you're up for the match, right? <laughs> exactly. It's continuing education and self-learning. Awesome. Well, I want to thank again my guest, Dr. Tracy Weiland. And so this is her 13th book we've been talking about today, her 2018 Disruptive Predictions, which is her book, Digital Disruption, The Future of Work Skills, Leadership, Education, and Careers in a Digital World, available uh, pre-order on Amazon, of course, other book sites and her website and all those good things. And if you want to reach out to her, you can find her on Twitter. Her name is spelled T-R-A-C-E-Y-W-I-L-E-N. So, Tracy, thank you again. I, this is becoming an annual for us, and I really appreciate it. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, and happy holidays to you. Absolutely. You too. Cherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for the Sherry Hill Show. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services which lay a solid foundation under the business owner's dream. Sign up for their free monthly newsletter at sageintl.com. That's sageintl.com.